The League of Legends betting podcast is brought to you by my patrons at patreon.com slash gelati lol. There you can find bonus content like in-depth articles on macro trend analysis and league previews, as well as thoughts on breaking news and the podcast picks before the show is released to platforms. You also get to support your creators more directly. Patreon.com slash gelati lol. That's G-E-L-A-T-I-L-O-L. All right, a quick recap of Saturday's LEC games here. Uh, again, welcome to part two. Let me know if you guys like me splitting the Eastern and Western Leagues up on weekends. It actually makes things quite a bit easier for me because I can get the Eastern episode out before the Eastern sl- with plenty of time for the Eastern slate for people to listen to this. And the Western slate obviously happens later in the day tomorrow, so it works. I try to do it in somewhat chronological order. Plus, I get to see most of the games from the day before which I think is probably better for everybody. Currently, we are getting ready for the Immortals Shopify match, which is the last match in the LCS. Uh, I have Shopify money line, so I'm going to be kind of watching this in between recording segments of this. But quick recap of the LEC from Saturday. I just got a chance to comb through these VODs at 2X and kind of just give a painting with broad strokes here. We had uh, SK and Vitality. This stayed pretty close for the opening two or three jungle rotations, but SK kind of just ballooned a lead off the first Herald, and it was just a complete choke out from there. Probably the most clinical of SK's wins. They've had a couple where they've had to like really wait it out and and you know slog through some early mistakes, but this one was pretty clinical front to back. Next up, we had Heretics against Team BDS. This was a pretty close game. I think it could have gone either way, but eventually Adam just got too unkillable frontline to deal with, and Wunder uh, couldn't really land big enough Rumble ults on the Yazir Jin backline, and that was kind of how this game went. This was maybe the most straightforward comp that I've seen from BDS in a long, long time, and it still took Adam going nuts to carry them, but... We did get a good performance out of Nuke in this game, too. It obviously helps a lot when you're playing Azir and your front line is an unkillable machine. Um, really interesting to see BDS kind of like play straight up. Must be feeling pretty confident in themselves right now. Um, showing a bit of a new dimension there. Something to monitor, uh, and I kind of have referenced this a little bit, but I want to talk about it a little, is... So we've seen Rumble whether it's with Ignite or Teleport, consistently body Cassante and lane and really just run over the early game. This happened again here where um, they picked up a couple kill, like they solo killed Adam, or it wasn't a solo kill, but they did kill Adam early. Rumble has complete control. The thing, the thing we're starting to see is much like any kind of tempo composition, like we've seen this with like Lucian comps for years and years now, but with Rumble... It's still, I mean, he's still a good late game champion, but it's not as good as like something like Cassante. It's not as impactful as something like that. So with Rumble, you really, really want to take advantage of like your level six and level 11 ultimates and those first like three to four dragon fights. Like you need to be blowing the game open in those first 20 to 25 minutes. And if it's even remotely close, the way these teams are playing, like with the, you know, multiple tanks right now and the tanks being really strong, Rumble eventually against a lot of the carries, is just going to have a really hard time landing good ultimates on the carries. And they need to get far ahead and really push the game, like choke the game out, or it gets outscaled. Like, he's still one of the best champions in the game. There's a reason he's getting banned and picked, like, every game. But it does demand, a like, a degree of execution that I think all but the top teams have really shown at the moment. Like, you need to shut the door with them when you get an advantage. And, I mean, heck, we've even seen T1 struggle with that, although I think that game was a little bit of a weird, weird outlier. 
Good showing from BDS, though. Uh, this, ga this game could have gone either way, but it was a good showing. Next up, we have Mad Lines and Fnatic, and oh boy. Whew. This was a slobber knocker, like a barroom brawl. Um, the funny thing is, though, like if you looked at these team comps without seeing how the game went, you would have said exactly the opposite, like the exact opposite game state. This ended up being like a 40-kill game, but if you looked at these comps, it would have not thought that. We had a really, really cool draft from Mad Lines in this one. Yet another cool draft from them. Uh, so first of all, I mean, it's the obvious thing to talk about right now is the top lane Varus from Erwin. Um, it's the thing that's been getting played a bit in solo queue. The The concept is similar to the Callista builds, like the Jack Show Callista builds. You do two attack speed items. You do Blade of the Rune King and a Rage Blade or Hurricane, and then you do Jack Show. The idea being that these are champions that are attack speed champions. They're going to be in combat, and especially with um, attack speed Varus and attack speed Callista. Well, Callista's always attack speed, sorry. But um, especially with those two champions, um, the attack speed version of Varus is similarly low range. It plays almost like Vayne uh, with less mobility but more damage. And Callista obviously wants to be stacking spears and chasing stuff down, and she plays at a low range anyway. So the idea with the Jack Show third item in these for these champions is that you get to stack up to the the max stacks on Jack Show, get all those bonus resistances, and you become like surprisingly tanky for a carry, and makes it so that tanks don't just like auto kill you. Like tanks and bruisers have a really really hard time killing you. You can survive a couple rotations of them. You can just like attack speed them down eventually. Uh, carries are still gonna murder you, uh, at, but. You're, you're not going to just insta-die to, like, a Cassante ulti you, you know? So um, we've been seeing a little bit of this in top lane. We've seen some solo lane Callista and everything. They also supplemented this with um, El Yoyo playing Ivern to make this, like, a tr essentially, like, a triple support or uh, double support triple AD carry composition, sort of, where you had the Varus and... What did they play? I think they played Zaya Rakan in the bot lane. You had Varus in the top lane, and then you had Nazir in the mid lane. Um, Fnatic played a much more typical composition with, you know, the Cassante and a strong core and everything like that. But, um, the mental chess being played here in draft, I think, I think moving forward, we're going to kind of see a little bit of this teams getting experimental and trying stuff like this. We've already seen a little bit of it, but there's like a rock, paper, scissors thing going on where the general consensus is that AP items are very strong and that tanks are very strong, but because AP champions tend to have a tough time killing tanks, when the tanks get to a certain point, they're basically unkillable, and that's why Cassante is just insane right now. Um, so I think what's going to end up like we're see we've seen a couple teams attempt stuff like this already, but you're seeing teams try to either go underneath of that, like well let's, let's call the tank like the basic tank comps, like you know one and a half tank two core style compositions. Let's call that rock. Paper would be like, or scissors would be. That's going to beat a lot of things right now. It puts the earn, it puts the onus of execution on the other team. But the, there's two ways people are trying to deal with it. One is to go underneath it with a tempo look, which we kind of saw D plus do this morning with like Syndra, Lucian, Nami. Like try to win the game really, really quickly before they get online at like four items, and you know you're low percentage to win the game anyway at that point. The other way people are doing it is like attempting some weird stuff like this where you're either playing some kind of split pusher uh some kind of way to bypass the front line like rumble ultimate or zigs or bard or in you know we've seen like udir kind of do this thing too but udir kind of functions as both which is why he's still getting played a lot 
Then the other way to do it is to just play like a kite comp. Because a lot of times these tanks are super cooldown gated. And you can kind of just like kite them around. And if the other team can't ever get to your carries because you're just kiting backwards. Then you can eventually just kill them. And eventually their backline is exposed or their backline has to step up to do damage. And then you step in and punish the backline. So I think we could start seeing stuff like this. Like if bottom lane wasn't as much of a party as it is right now i think we'd be seeing some people try stuff like cogmaw maybe or maybe even vain or severe but those champions struggle so much with the current bottom lane champions that are really really good like you can't be picking cogmaw when draven and callista and stuff are being played and you can't be you know it's the same thing like callista you can't be picking when varus is good and Jin is good and stuff like that so interesting um I think we could start seeing some weird stuff like even like Soraka top, like Soul, like the Varus top, like it, interesting stuff like this. I, I think you could see, you could actually see Vayne top lane. I think would be interesting to like Cassante and stuff like that. So I think there's going to be some teams that start to kind of mess around with this, but I'm kind of going into a digression here. It's like a whole separate topic I could talk about. Anyway, Midlines jumped out to a pretty early lead in this one. Fnatic did a really, really good job punching back, and this became really just like a back-and-forth slugfest for 25 minutes. It got, like, real chippy. A lot going on. It was pretty, stayed within a pretty close margin of gold, too. Eventually, Mads Comp came online and, uh, you know, got to the third item. We got to see just how, like, crazy this can be. Uh, I, th I thought... You know, Fnatic had the Vi, so I thought that they could, like, just pick out one of the carries and kill it, but the Ivern makes that really hard, and then Rakan can, like, really punish the pylon with a good ultimate if you try to, like, dogpile on somebody. Yeah, I don't know. Mad did a really good job playing keep away, and this ended up being a very, very cool uh, cool win for them. Mirwin, you know, he was kind of known for this kind of dark technology stuff in the regional leagues in Europe, and he was always cooking up unique, weird shit, and now he's bringing it to the LEC, which is cool, and... I'm glad the coaching staff is actually letting him do stuff like this. And frankly, they wouldn't be doing stuff like this, I don't think, if the team wasn't also just playing really well. Super confident team. I think Mad are legit good. You know, they're not perfect. They still make some of the uh, same mistakes you see from young teams. They get a little ahead of themselves sometimes. But this is a good team, and they're confident. So I think Mad are here to stay. G2 versus Giant X. This was a pretty close game, but... Giant X, despite being ahead on kills, were never really able to convert them into anything meaningful. They got a couple dragons, but that was it. Um, eventually, G2 just picked up a couple kills, flipped it into a tower, reset, flipped it into a baron, and then just like won the game in one fell swoop, more or less. But this was pretty close for most of this game. I think, you know, I think Giant X aren't really terrible, but I don't think they're quite there yet. Their their macros a little bit lacking. Um, they still lose track of where they are in a game relative to their opponent and what they need to be doing, which is kind of just a sign of an inexperienced team. I, th I think they have the hands. They'll get there. This team's pretty good, but they need a little bit. You know, G2 continue to have slow starts to games, and they're making some really questionable, uh, honestly, like kind of sloppy decisions early in the game. But they're not making like critical game-losing mistakes. So, like, so it ends up like their experience and resilience and just good, strong macro and... It ends up winning them a lot of games they probably shouldn't win, and they wouldn't win against good teams. But that is their strongest asset. It was their strongest asset last year. They're super versatile still. Um, we saw the AD LeBlanc here today, which worked out fine. Just took a little while to get going. I, this team's eventually going to be fine. Like I, I could see them eventually getting. I mean, they're going to be. I think they're going to get back to where they were last year. But 
they just need to clean up some of their early games right now, which, you know, that's fine. They're not particularly worried about it as long as they're always progressing forward a little bit at a time here. I think they'll eventually get back to being the dominant best team in the league as they were, but it's a little bit of a sluggish start, and I think teams that have teams that can jump out on them and actually close games have a chance to beat them. We've already seen them lose a couple times. Carline Court versus Rogue. Oh, man. So this was a pretty competitive game overall, but Rogue had just this ridiculous scaling comp with the quirky center core that we've been seeing so often. And really all they needed to do was like wait out Carmine Corp. Carmine has struggled a lot with communication and a lot with coordinating plays, especially around neutral objectives. And Rogue knew that, obviously, because they just picked this comp and said, okay, guys, beat us. And KC couldn't really get anything substantial done at all. And with all the scaling they had, you know, Carmine had enough damage to actually make some plays in this game. You had, like, the Akali, the brand. The Misfortune was a cool pick. She ended up doing pretty well in this game. But, like, you had plenty of damage to just overwhelm the scaling, just, like, overwhelm it with damage and win. But when you're playing these, again, I go back to, like, these these execution-based compositions, right, where, like, they needed to execute. But, like, they're not a good enough team to be playing, like, four carry comp or four damage comps. They're just not. And when you're struggling with coordination, you need to simplify things, and that's not a way to simplify things. Like, they've just been trying to do too many different things, and they're not good at anything, so they really need to just pick something, get good at that, and then move on. And I think that's what they need to think about moving forward for next season. Um, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But, like, this was a winnable game, but a team that lacks coordination like they have is bound to just make a mistake eventually, and teams are just going to wait them out. So Rogue just waited them out, capitalized, and essentially won the game off of a pick into a Baron into an end, just like G2 did. So, yeah, we ended up doing really, really well in LEC today. Uh, I think it was a – let me see. It was, like, the best single day I've had in any region yet. So Saturday LEC, we were plus 4.129 units today, so – you know, we're looking pretty good right now. This could be this could be like a seven or eight or nine unit day, which is pretty cool. So anyway, we'll talk more about that tomorrow. Uh moving on to the LCS. Uh we actually just finished up with Shopify Immortals. Shopify didn't get there for us. Uh lost our one point five X play. Uh, yeah, I might as well start with that one. This was by far their worst game of the season. I literally just got done watching it. I haven't rewatched it. It was this is just like watching it as I was uh finishing up the European part of tomorrow's article. By far their worst performance. They just got a little bit too far behind. Immortals actually kind of bungled a couple of these team fights closing this out. Like they were up like six thousand gold and almost lost a couple of these fights. If they were only like thirty five hundred or four thousand gold up, I think these were very, very losable fights, just the way they played them out. Just really, really sloppy. But still, case remains or point point remains. This was by far Shopify's worst game of the season. I like I said, part of my handicap going into that was their first two maps I thought they should have won even though they lost both of them. This one was just kind of over pretty early. They got really, really far behind. I think they were down like 2K at like 13 minutes or something. It was just done from there. Um, you know, obviously teams can still make mistakes, but not a pretty looking uh, loss there. Rely a whole lot on Insanity to get fed, and he just didn't on Akali in this game. So win some, lose some. Oh, well. Uh, first match of the day in the LCS was Cloud9 against Dignitas. Uh, barely, barely by the hook, got this kill spread home. They won 16-6. to six. We have minus 9.5. We're never really in threat of losing this game. But, um, yeah, teams... <laughs> they gave Berserker and Vulcan, Callista, 
uh, Renata. Yeah, not a great idea. <laughs> and, um, yeah, they gave Fudge Rumble, too. I, I think teams just, like, don't know what they're going to be able to do against Cloud9. Like, there's just not enough bands in the universe to deal with this shit. So, yeah, Cloud9 still steamrolling. We're never really under threat of losing this game, but the cover was in jeopardy. Energy 100 Thieves, this was a weird one. Um, there's a really, really long pause at one point in this game. Um, 100 Thieves kept this pretty close for the opening sequence. Like, roughly, I don't know, like, at the first dragon fight, Energy won the first dragon fight pretty hard. I'm sorry, the second dragon fight they won pretty hard. But um, 100 Thieves kind of ballooned that small lead. I think they got, they were up like 1500, 2k, something like that. And they kind of ballooned that out over the next, of course, the next like, I don't know, five to seven minutes. Picked up another dragon, a couple towers. And they were up like 4,000 or so in this game, maybe a little bit more than that. But then they kind of just struggled to actually do like grow that and balloon it and really get anything done with it eventually they there was a really really late first uh, first baron in this game didn't happen to like 30 minutes into the game just took energy forever to set this up because there was a lot of like constant scrapping in this game you had two really really scrappy compositions with like you know a vi is the only tank but you had like ash arrow to constantly engage on the energy side and then you had like three really four melees and varus on the other side so this was i don't know it got scrappy Quid was 2-6. He finished the game 2-6-4, and four, but he did a ton of damage in this game and made a couple real key picks on FBI. Um, well, I said a couple. He got him one time. He almost got him another time, and they could have actually won the game from that. Um, energy? Uh, yeah, I don't know. This got real sloppy. They ended up taking it out to Soul Point. It was a six dragon, uh, sixth dragon Soul. Energy did eventually get it and eventually closed this out, but... You know, they could have ballooned this lead and won this a lot cleaner than they did. 100 Thieves did a really, really good job, you know, understanding that their strength was to scrap in this game and that once Jace kind of really started getting a lot of items that it was going to be a real problem. And same with Azir. You know, you're playing four melee against the Azir ultimate is really, really challenging. So they knew that if they let the fight start on energy's terms, they were going to lose and they kept fighting. Eventually what ended up happening, though, is that they just picked off Quid a few times with Ash Ultimate plus the Jin W, and he just got caught out a couple times and ended up losing the game. So, competitive game from 100 Thieves. They actually covered the kill spread but didn't get the money line home, so we ended up at a wash on that game. Black Quest versus Team Liquid. This was a weird one, too. Uh, pretty much nothing was going on for, like, the first 15 minutes. Uh, Black Quest just kept accumulating objectives. Uh, Liquid tried a couple really cheeky plays, but they never really converted on anything, and this game felt close, but it really wasn't, if that makes sense, like, I don't know, it felt close, never really was, they didn't have a really, really good way to get to, like, uh, FlyQuest played Ezreal Karma, Busio actually built full damage, or not full damage, almost full damage, he did, like, the solo lane build with, like, Malignance and Horizon Focus, which was kind of cool, as a support, because he got really, really fed. But, um, yeah, FlyQuest like, controlled all the objectives. Got to see the Mordekaiser, which was really, really cool, too. I, I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen him as a counterpick to Cassante yet. Um, Mordekaiser tends to just kind of dumpster tanks in general. And he can, you know, especially if he's the only tank on a team, he can just take him out of the fight. That's extremely powerful. So, a little... Wouldn't shock me to see some more Mordekaiser. Um... 
obviously it's a Boypo special. We've seen that a lot from him over the years. It's a pick that he always he always knows the right time to break it out, which is good. So, um, game that probably could have been closer, but Flackwest were never really out of in threat of losing this despite despite the gold lead not really being explosive. APA made the critical mistakes in this game too. That he remains a liability, and I'm he's the main concern with Liquid, and it's becoming a problem every game. We're three games into the season, and he's already been a liability in all three games. So, yeah. End up having a side in this one though, so no problem. And we already talked about Immortals and Shopify, so we ended up down 0.2 units on the day. It was like more or less a wash in LCS, but we did really, really well in the Eastern leagues and the LEC. So very, very nice day overall. We ended up, I think it was point. What did we end up for the day? It was plus 6.763 units total, almost a seven-unit day. So very, very nice. Moving on to the Sunday LEC slate. So something to keep an eye on since, again, we have the three-week regular season before the playoffs with the three-split format that we have going on here. There are going to be teams that are going to be eliminated. There is a small chance. It's not as likely as people think it is. People just auto-play this narrative, and it doesn't work all the time. There is a small chance that you will see some, you know, fuckery tomorrow. You know, teams that are eliminated maybe just messing around, having a, f- a couple for fun games, teams that have already clinched that don't give a shit about seeding, same kind of thing. I find it difficult to handicap these unless it's a ridiculously obvious situation and it's a team that you know clowns around, but we just don't know a lot about most of these teams right now, so um, I'll touch on those if they come up in these matchups here. First up, we have Vitality, plus 128 against Heretics, minus 155. Model price made this much shorter than this, only slightly Heretics favored. Um, patrons will get, uh, I put the model projected prices up for patrons on the Patreon article of this. So um, at first glance, this felt a little heavy handed. Models agreed with it, but I'm also not really excited to back Vitality. There's becoming like this pretty clear um, stratification in the LEC where there's like four really good teams four not good teams and then two teams that are I want to say four not good teams there's two very very not good teams or there's one very not good team maybe two if you want to count rogue and then there's like the six or the seven and eight are kind of like not good but not terrible um then there's two clear mid-tier so it's four good four bad and two mid-tier it's how it's kind of spread out in um Europe, and I'm, I'm looking at that strictly based on, like, economy metrics, like, just from a data perspective. Um, Heretics are, are interesting. Heretics of Vitality, by the way, are the two mid-tier teams uh, in the data sets anyway. So the thing with Heretics is, like, their actual raw economy is very, very good. They're just not creating differentials, like, big differentials. Like, they're not – they're good at getting money into their pockets. They're not good at creating advantages, if that makes sense. So – Vitality are kind of just like middling and everything. So I don't know. This felt a little heavy handed, but I, I tend to think that Heretics eventually are going to be one of these good teams and that, you know, I would lean Heretics here. I didn't end up playing anything. Um, I didn't end up, end up playing a kill total here either just because they've been adjusted down accordingly. The total on this one was like 23 and a half. So next up we have Mad Lines minus 160 on the money line against Giant X plus 132. Um, Mad Lines look good. Uh, touched on it in the recap just now giant x don't look terrible but they're a little sloppy um i'm gonna take a bit of a leap of faith here and i'm gonna back mad lines i'm gonna split stake this 
This is an aggressive split stake. You could just play this on the money line if you want to, but this is pretty similar to like a double stake money line play. I'm just splitting it to kind of reduce my basis, if that makes sense. Uh, so I played Mad Lions minus 160 on the money line for 0.8 units, so that's to win a half unit. And then I staked a half unit on the alt kill spread, minus 6.5 kills at plus 114. The premise being here being I think Mad Lions win with margin. Um, you could also just play this straight up as a double, you know, double stake on the money line. That's cleaner. You're not paying the VIG twice, but playing this a little bit aggressive because I do think Mad are very good. Next up, we have uh, El Clasco, Fnatic, plus 163 against G2 Esports, minus 201. The long and short of this one is I think both these teams have had, like, shaky starts, but look like their old selves at other times in their first, you know, so many games here. Um, I think... This is just a little... Like, G2 are the better team, and I think eventually they will be the better team. But right now, they're vulnerable early, and until they clean that up, I think you can take advantage of it. And one of the best ways to take advantage of teams that are struggling in the early game is to actually play kill spreads against them because the other team frequently jumps out to a kill lead even if they're not necessarily amassing a gold or a situational advantage. And you can end up frequently covering... Honestly, we saw this with Giant X today where they had a kill lead, a big kill lead, but they weren't actually getting anything done. G2 doesn't care. They're just trading objectives for it, and they end up you know, winning the game anyway. If that's the game G2 want to play for now, then we can take advantage of it with kill spreads. I also think G2 have been vulnerable early, and Fnatic are... I, I said earlier, like teams that can actually convert on, on early advantages like that are going to be able to punish them. Like they're, G2's vulnerable a little bit right now. I still think they're the best team, but they're not nearly as dominant as they were all summer. And... I think Fnatic, if G2 has a sluggish early game, again, Fnatic is one of the teams that could punish that and actually take advantage of it. If you want, you could split-stake this. I just played the kill spread because I think there's a chance Fnatic jump out to a lead and then G2 just kind of out-macro them later and win, and we cover the spread in like an 11-12 to 12 game or something like that. So I didn't play a total in this one. Uh, it is an option. 25.5 minus 115 to the under is good. If you want to play the narrative that totals have been lower in the LEC, but we got some pretty bloody games when the stakes were higher today. And um, I think these two, I mean, these two tend to be a lot higher scoring. So there's a bit of a rivalry. These two teams are chippy. They're both smart enough to play aggressive without losing track of the game, too. So, yeah, I don't know. I could see it. I, I, lean, I would lean kill total under. I didn't end up playing it. I just stuck with the kill spread. I play Fnatic plus six and a half kills at minus 116 for 1.16 units. SK Gaming minus 193 against Carmine Court plus 157. Model projected this at a lot higher than this. Um, uh, look, I know I I I played Carmine Corp. I backed them. I had faith. I trusted that they would eventually get it together. But I I reiterate, after that, like going through all their games this weekend, they look terrible, and they looked terrible again today against Rogue. And Rogue is not good. SK Gaming, the real the real simple handicap here is SK Gaming have their shit together and Carmine don't, and it's that simple. Um, I I'm playing this triple staked. Uh, I played SK Gaming money line minus one ninety three for two units, and I played SK Gaming alt kill spread minus seven and a half kills at plus one twelve for one unit. So triple stake on SK. There's a chance that Carmine Corp kind of like now that they're eliminated, they kind of you know the pressure's off and they don't care and. They loosen up, and a lot of times when you see that, teams just play better because they're not stressed. They're just relaxed. But SK Gaming look really, really solid right now, so I'm I'm totally fine going to war on a triple stake here. And this will be – this is actually 
I had Kwangdong was my biggest stake of the year going into um, or this morning. This matches the stake on that game. It's a best of one. Don't usually stake as big on best of ones, but in this case, I did. This is a, this is way way too cheap a price. So SK Gaming, go SK. Best game tomorrow is Team BDS minus three hundred against Rogue plus two thirty six. Another one that the model projected a bigger money line price than the market does. Um, this is an interesting one. I, you know, I've been taking advantage of BDS money lines since you know that revelation. That's like, oh, I guess no one's just going to adapt to them, or nobody's going to prep for them. They played. They played a very, very stock standard comp today and did really well with it. So, I mean, there's a good chance BDS just run this over because Rogue have looked like dog shit, if I'm being honest. The thing is, like, this is the season for Rogue. Like, they need this win. BDS, I mean, BDS are in line to get the one seed, so I don't think they're going to be mailing this in or anything like that. You know, they're going to be trying to win this game. But Rogue really need this. The players on this team are still good. Even if the team's not playing that good, they're not a complete and utter dumpster fire quite to the level of Carmine Corp. They have a pulse, at least. They showed yesterday, like this morning, that they can actually just play a game out and win. Uh, this is a big, big number for... So, like, I like BDS, and I talked about the, the prep advantage and all that shit. The fact is, though, like, this is a big number, and this team really isn't actually that good. It's just a regular season god team. And I think Rogue in a must-win situation will be able to at least cover a kill spread. I played plus 7.5 kills at minus 109 for 1.09 units. I didn't sprinkle the money line, but you could also sprinkle the money line here. You could do like a split stake, like three-quarters to one-quarter kind of deal if you wanted to. But I just played the kill spread. I could see them jumping out to a lead and then maybe like a some kind of Adam pick ends up you know, winning the game for them. I don't know, but... I like, I like Rogue on the kill spread, plus 7.5 kills. All right, next up we have the LCS for Sunday evening. Um, first match is Dignitas, plus 113 against 100 Thieves, minus 136. Um, again, we've only seen three games in the LCS, so I'm not really using any, any kind of data sets. This is just purely qualitative handicapping versus the market here. And I'm going to take 100 Thieves, minus 136 for one unit on the money line. Just pretty straightforward. I... I think 100 Thieves have looked really, really good in the three games that we've seen from them, despite the record. And I think Dignitas have looked okay in one and not too great in the other two, albeit one of them was against Cloud9. I um, think this ends up looking like a pretty short price in a couple of weeks. I think, I don't know, just I'm, will, I'm willing to speculate a little and go purely based on my qualitative handicap on this one. So 100 Thieves money line minus 136, one unit. Next up, we have Cloud9 minus 511 against Shopify Rebellion plus 374. Uh, again, this match just finished up. Um, Shopify's worst performance of the year. Uh, after backing them three games, I've come up empty-handed. And, you know, this is exactly the kind of situation where they turn it around and pull a shocker upset, right? Then maybe Cloud9 screw around a little too much. Um, Cloud9 kill spreads have officially hit double digits against the lower end of the table here. That is... You have to ask yourself a question when kill spreads hit double digits, especially in a relatively low kill environment, and thats I don't think that's how you want to be playing it anymore. I'm going to shift over to playing the time total under. I'm going to play the under 29 and a half minutes at minus 101 uh, for 2.02 units. That's a double stake play on Cloud9, Shopify, under 29 minutes. Games have generally been running longer, but Cloud9 are just steamrolling people, and Shopify's early game hasn't really been particularly excellent it's okay it's been pretty good the first two games was actually great they got they got raffle stomped in the early game today and cloud nine are significantly better so yeah 
give me the under 29 minutes. That should probably be 28 juiced under. I don't know why it isn't. Next up, we have energy minus 130 against FlyQuest plus 108. Um, you guys know that I'm I'm desperate to fade this energy team and that I think they're good but fraudulent. Like, I, not fraudulent. Like, they're good but overrated, and they're overrated by the market. But but I think, like, I, I don't know. I was hoping to get a better price on this. I was kind of watching this all week. I was really hoping that we would get, like, an energy loss overreaction either buy low or like both these teams lose and one gets reacted to and the other doesn't by the market and we get, you know, a bigger price on FlyQuest. At plus 108, like I, I, I want to back FlyQuest here. Like it's FlyQuest or nothing to me. I mean, there's a there's a case to be made that you just look to continuity and you back energy until they prove otherwise. I get that. And I, I actually already know someone that's played energy, but... To me, this is FlyQuest or or pass, and I just don't think the price, like the the juice, isn't worth the squeeze at this price. So it's like a pass for me. Um, I would lean FlyQuest, but no play on the side. I do like the time total over. I think this should be a competitive game. And energy, you're sometimes a little sloppy about closing games out, and I think they sometimes get a little distracted. Like they're they're very good at setting up around neutrals, but like in like once they take something and then move past that, they they tend to get a little bit distracted by stuff, and they're certainly willing to take their time. FlyQuest definitely seem willing to take their time based on some of the stuff they're playing. We saw the Mordekaiser today, which was pretty cool. Um, stuff like that. I, I think both these teams probably take this you know to a longer back and forth mid game kind of mid or late game kind of last fight wins sort of game. I played the over thirty two minutes at minus one twenty one for one unit. We have Team Liquid, last match is Team Liquid, minus 280 against Immortals, plus 221. The first thing I thought when I saw this, like, this line was, holy shit, Liquid don't deserve to be laying 280 to anybody. Like, I don't give a shit. There's no team in the LCS that they should be laying 282. Like, I know this, this team should be good, but APA is a legit liability. He's been bad for three games now. I, I, he hasn't, it doesn't look like he's expanded his champion pool at all. It's the same thing. As, you know, I'm not super stoked about this Immortals lineup, but one thing I will say is that Mask has been outstanding through three games. And, you know, Immortals were definitely kind of a mess closing that game out against Shopify today. Like, they were up 6K gold and almost lost a couple of those fights. I mentioned in the recap, like, if they were not ahead by that much, if they were ahead by, like, half as much, they probably would have lost those fights and could have lost that game. But... This is just more a fade of Liquid than anything else. This price is way too out of line. Like, I don't like Immortals at all, really. This is too big a number for Liquid to be laying against anybody. So I played Immortals plus 7.5 kills at minus 103 for 1.03 units, and Immortals money line at plus 221 for half a unit. So to recap, we have Immortals plus 7.5 kills at minus 103 for 1.3 units, Immortals money line plus 221 at point, uh, for half a unit, 0.5 units. Um, energy, Flat Quest, we played the over 32 minutes at minus 121 for one unit. Cloud9 versus Shopify, we played the under 29 minutes for a double stake, minus 101 for 2.02 units. And the first LCS game, we had 100 Thieves money line, minus 136 for one unit. In Europe, we had Rogue uh, plus 7.5 kills at minus 109 against BDS. For SK Gaming, Carmine Corp are tied for the biggest position of the year for me, uh, following up on Kwangdong this morning. We're playing SK Gaming. Moneyline, minus 193 for two units. And SK Gaming, minus 7.5 kills, all kill spread, plus 112 for one unit. We're also playing the under 25.5 kills for minus 115 for 1.15 units in that game as well. 
Fnatic in G2, we play Fnatic plus 6.5 kills at minus 116 for 1.16 units. Mad Lions versus Giant X, we play Mad Lions Money Line, uh, minus 160 for 0.8 units. And split, it, split the stake to uh, Mad Lions alt kill spread, minus 6.5 kills at plus 114 for 0.5 units. Uh, if you wanted to or preferred, you could just play the Mad Money Line for two a double stake instead. But I split stake to this one. I'm being a little aggressive. And uh, we didn't have a play in Vitality Heretics. So that's it for the Western Leagues, the LCS and the LEC for Sunday morning and afternoon. Uh, don't forget to like, subscribe, leave a comment, share this with your friends, spread the love. Join the party at Patreon. Hit me up for a link to the Esports Department Discord if you want to come hang out. We're still using that same one. we got a really, really cool community there. I hope everyone comes and checks it out, and I will see you tomorrow.